Hello, my lovelies. This is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my lovely Quiet Rebels. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I'm not alone. I have a special guest with me, and she's going to be geeking out with us on all things Instagram. I mean, let's be honest, like it's many people's favorite platforms, mine included. And not only are we going to be talking about Instagram as a whole, but specifically around the stories and the kinds of people that you can attract attentionally based on the content you put out there. And this is with none other than Jeff Jacobson. And before we jump into today's interview, I'm so excited to let you know that this episode is brought to you by my Sustainable Visibility Incubator. If this is the first time you're hearing about this, then I want to let you know it is my six-month high-touch group coaching program, where I'll take you through a three-phase process to help you break out of the cycle of inconsistency when it comes to your visibility. This is all to help you become truly aligned with your message that you actually want to amplify. And I'm bringing this into existence, my friend, because... Many of the conversations that are happening online right now around visibility is pretty much put yourself out there, do this, and that will happen, start before you're ready, all the things. And while, of course, action is a crucial part of your visibility, what's also important is to become aware of the reasons why you're not showing up. And trust me when I say it is not because you're lazy, it's not because it's just fallen on the bottom of your priority list, it's not because you're bad at time management or even imposter syndrome. That's all at the surface. Because what visibility is all about is being seen. And unless You have done the inner work to help you create space and develop a capacity to receive this volume of people who will come your way through your visibility work. It will not be sustainable. And that's why in this group coaching program, it's all about aligning it to your lifestyle, your goals, your strengths, your personality. So that way, as you show up, you do want to be seen and you want to amplify. So if you're somebody who's interested in doing the deep work in order to do the outer work and sustain it long term, 
I would love to see you inside the program. And due to the intimate nature of this work, this will be by application only to ensure that each individual is specifically chosen for this work. So if you are interested in applying for a space, be sure to follow the link in the show notes for the application and follow the steps from there. I really can't wait to hear from you, my lovely, because honestly, this program needs to be brought into existence now to ensure that your visibility is sustained for the long term. So I can't wait to see you there. And now on with the interview. So Jess, welcome on to the Quiet Ripples podcast. Oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing to geek out about. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited (laughs) to talk to all the Quiet Rebels today. Thank you. Thank you so much. So before we get into all the goodness, I do want to like give you a shout out first of all, because so I actually met Jess through our mutual friend, Holly Tack. So shout out to you, Holly, if you're ever listening to this. And this was during a time where like, we all know how we need to be consistent on social media. But the question was like, but what do we say? And Holly actually recommended Jess for her amazing 30 days of social media course. And I invested in the course and it's definitely like everything I needed because I just need to be told what to do. And as soon as I started being consistent there, I really did started to have really rich conversations on my Instagram about things that I really care about and what they care about as well. So that stuff works. So just saying, Jess. (laughs) Thank you for that plug. And I do like to pride myself on my stuff working. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. So before we get into all those goodies as well, can you just share with us, like, you know, why do you do what you do? And like, how did you get to this point? Because I know this wasn't always the case. Yeah, definitely not. I love this question. Nobody asks me this. So thank you. I started my business when, well, let me back it up. When I was in college, taking you back to like 20 year old Jess, When I was in college, I majored in advertising and I went to one of the number one advertising schools in the United States. And when I was there, I just wanted to be a copywriter actually Mm. at a big ad agency. And that was really like the track I was on is being a copywriter at a big ad agency. And so I worked my little tushy off and I was building my portfolio because in order, if you don't know about ad agencies, in order to get hired, you need to have like a full portfolio of work as a creative for them to see if you're a fit for the team, if they like the way you think, all of that stuff, right? Mm. And um, so I was building my portfolio, but I was doing it using social media, basically. So this was like, you know, eight years ago. So social media like was just becoming hot. Businesses were just realizing, oh, maybe we should do this. And so I went around to all the local businesses and I took over a lot of accounts like and created a lot of accounts for local businesses in my college town and had like a little student agency with some of my friends and we built portfolios. Hmm. Fast forward to agency life. When I was an intern at an ad agency, I went to my creative director who basically is like the boss of certain clients. So I went to my boss who was like the lead creative director on Jim Beam brands, which is like bourbon, whiskey, Knob Creek, Basil Hayden, all those guys. And I was like, hey, what can I take off your plate? What can I help you with? Because I wanted to be valuable to him. And he was like, oh, like, do you have any experience with social media? Luckily Mm -hmm. I did. So I was like, yes, I do. So I was able to take off his plate, all the copy for Basil Hayden's, some Knob Creek stuff, So I worked 
first thing out of college on big bourbon brands. And I realized I loved social media as a career, like as a thing. And so that's the path I went down, hated corporate, felt super out of alignment in, with my values, with companies I was working on. Um, I also had to do a couple projects for Tyson and I'm vegan. <laughs> um, at the time I wasn't even vegetarian, but I knew I didn't really want to work on like a meat company. I was like yeah. definitely on my path to that. And just every agency I worked at, I, I know this isn't the case for all agencies, but I was so out of alignment with my values. And I was mm. always working for people I didn't believe in and on clients I didn't believe in. And I realized I went to a, a women's entrepreneur conference and I started going to their Instagrams and realizing how bad they were. And there were these mm. amazing women on stage making great money, having an awesome business. And then I go to their Instagram and I'm like, this sucks. Like, why is there such a disconnect? So I saw there was a window and I, I took it. I took the leap and now I've had my company for, you know, we're in our third year, which is great. And it's been awesome. And for me, like the core values is what really drives me and what drives me to work with clients. Like I, I need to be fired up about your mission. And I think a lot of you guys who are listening who are copywriters as well, you guys probably feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we know we had this conversation briefly in the green room as well about working with people in alignment with the values. So would you be open to sharing what your values are? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So for me, when I'll answer in a little different way, if that's okay. okay. But Surprise basically me. for me, my values and what I look for in my clients is there's a couple things. Definitely. I want to be working with people who are progressive. I don't mean that in like, oh, everybody has to be a certain political party, but you do have to be, I like to work with people who are open-minded, mm -hmm. who don't want to discriminate or have any sort of racism, discrimination against LGBTQ plus, closed-mindedness, like that is a no for me. Mm. So I don't expect everyone to be perfect. Heck, I'm not perfect. You know, I misspeak, I misstep, and I'm open to feedback always, and I'm open to learning and growing. And I think for me, that's like a huge value piece, but really my number, like, I don't want to say number one, but the thing that I, the through line I see in all my clients that I love is they are values focused. So they're not going to mm. sell out yeah. for a sponsorship deal. Like mm. they're not going to sell out for some shiny opportunity. Like the people I work with, they know their values, they know their mission and they're a human being. And they're also not the type of clients, like none of my clients I work with on my agency side or in my groups, nobody's like flashing their Ferrari, <laughs> you know, yeah. like nobody's like sharing just like stacks of money. And I'm not like, I know there are people who do that in a really heart centered way, like Amanda Francis. So I'm not saying like everybody who's doing that is wrong. I'm just saying for my truth, like when I got into the online space, I noticed how many like very masculine dudes mm. were like flashing their fancy things and how I just was not about it. And um, I just end up always working with people who like, they are really heart centered. Mm. They really have a big mission and they want to leave the world a better place than how they found it. And so do I. And so that's really like what I look for in clients. And, and that, those are my values. So I want to always be leaving the world better than how I found it. And I want to be like really committed to changing and making it a better place. 
And as airy fairy as that might sound, that is like how I feel. And I, that is how a lot of my clients feel. And so there's a lot of big visions there. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing is people who work with me long-term and they, and this is me too. I do this. I, when I work with people long-term, it's because we all have a really big hunger and vision and we're like not satisfied. It's like this drive to really go big and really inspire and really create change and impact in the world, like in a real way. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And as you share your values, I'll think like, oh yeah, this is, this is why I wanted to speak with you because we're very similar because, um, you know, your work helps to amplify people's messages, right. And how they show up in the world. And I do that too, just through podcast guesting instead. And, you know, we want to choose which voices we amplify through the work we do. And, I love that, you know, we just want to focus on people who like will bring about great change in the world because of their progressive thinking, because they want to do such wonderful things for generations and generations to come. So yeah, absolutely love that. Thank you for sharing, Jess. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And I, I do feel like it is about amplifying, right? Yes. And if you're like in any similar work that you and I are in, you know, copywriting, social media, podcasting, anything where you're amplifying voices, that's something I don't take lightly. And mm. so I really do look for that when I'm having, I have a very small agency. Like I went from having like 11 clients to three <laughs> because I raised my prices. I just kept trimming, 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 not renewing people because I just, it's not like I am so picky, but when it comes to something like social media, like being a, a social media agency, we are so collaborative with the people we work with. So I yeah. am really picky and you are amplifying their voice. So you do have to be in your company and your brand and your values are then connected to that. So it is important to me um, mm. to make sure that those voices are yeah. being open to change. Mm. And like, this is like a little bit off topic, but I think it's really important to address here that when you really stood firm with your values, did you find it was actually quite easy for you to be able to, you know, kind of like raise your prices and actually work with like hyper aligned clients as opposed to just like working with like a big handful of clients and they kind of hit your values here and there. I mean, like, what was that like for you, that transition? That's such a great question. And, um, I want to shout out my coach here, Jennifer Hootie, who, if you're a copywriter or anything, she's amazing. She has an agency and also a really big like training center, an amazing group. I knew her, we went through a leadership program together and I remember just calling her and being like, help. <laughs> I have too many clients. I am so overwhelmed. And she really did help me with this. But really what it came down to was me actually owning what my value is. So when I got started, I worked with a lot, and I still do, but I worked with a lot of really big name people. And some of them like paid me a lot less than that, what I was worth because of the opportunity, because of this, because of that. And I made so many exceptions for people on my pricing, mm. on my system, which is those are two things you want to like almost never or almost. never ever sacrifice is the way yeah. you have your system yes. in your business. And when you start to like give in to what your clients want um, and you abandon what you know to be true, then you can't stand on your work anymore. Yeah. And a lot of times if you have a client who's not really willing to pay you what you're worth, that's not your ideal client. 
Yeah. Like agree. it's not, you get to really own your value. And like this one thing, Jennifer, who do you always says it, but it's your ideal client is a living, breathing organism. It's always changing and growing. So even mm-hmm. at that time, this time last year, when I had all those clients, I had one client who I was like, this is my ideal client. This is who I want more of. I got some other clients in the door and I was like, oh wait, these clients are better than that client. And it's not that like anybody's better than, it's just who's a better fit, right? So for you to grow your business and for you to keep your reputation as a business and for you to keep your own sanity and grow your team, you do get to charge what you're worth. Because for me, I have an amazing team and I would have never been able to pay them had I kept my rates low. And also it's not fair either. If this person's paying you this much and this person's paying you what you're actually worth, it's Mm -hmm. not like there's got to be a base, right? A base price of what you are available for. And of course, I'm not saying that can't, you can't do certain things or gift certain things or cut people a break if they need one, because of course you can. But the general point I'm saying is like, more is not better. Mm. Better is better. (laughs) So like, look at your clients. If you're a copywriter and you're burnt out right now, or you're somebody who is doing social media and you're burnt out, write a list of your clients and really look at like, who is the most draining? Like even when you write their name, what comes up for you? (laughs) Get rid of that client. The money ain't worth it. That's true. So mental well-being is very important. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you won't be able to creatively perform, you know, like that. And that transition was not overnight. Like I built the bridge, right? Like I replaced a client with a consulting client. I created a workshop. I have programs now I have courses. So that was a a transition that did take me probably almost a year through like a lot of grief and loss that I've gone through the last year too. I probably could have done it sooner, but I was like, you know, giving myself some space. So, you know, you got to like really look at what's going on in your life and what's realistic, but definitely you want to make sure you are. And that's the same thing with social media is more is not better. Like having a bunch of followers is not always a good thing. Mm. Sometimes having a small following is the best thing you can have. Mm. So with your clients, it's the same thing. Mm. I feel like we reverse engineered the conversation because ultimately, you know, showing up on social media is eventually to find these clients in alignment with your values. So I love this. This is so unplanned. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I agree with all, all the things that you've, that you've just shared. And it is really important because as you were speaking, I was thinking about my own service suite that has been shifting a lot uh, recently because of all of these like new things that I want to do like does it serve the big mission and is it can I really do this long term that sort of thing so as you shared you kind of like share the reverse like write down the names of the people who like you don't love serving and it's not because they're a bad human it's just because you're not good fit anymore and the flip side is in order to prevent signing on clients that aren't you know a good fit for you list out 10 things that your clients must have in place in order to be a good fit to work with you as well. Because when you actually really do stand firm in in your values and just, and stand firm in your system, I love that you brought that up. You have a system for how things work. And if anybody questions that it compromises the quality of your delivery. 
It absolutely does. Totally. Yeah. Oh, okay. So and it, I think and it's I, also like, oh yeah, I could go on forever. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> no, I'm chatty. I'm chatty, chatty, chatty. Um, it's also like my system is flexible. It's not like this is exactly it for everyone. Like you can definitely, I'm all about like my company is called Authentic Influence Media, AIM. But the authentic piece, like there are things, especially on my agency, that work for certain clients that don't work for other clients. But there's a general system. Mm. There's a general theme. There are things that you should not be available for. Mm. And I think just like you were saying of writing the, what are the 10 things your clients get to be and get to have? What are some things that you are a no for? Mm. And, and I used to be told, somebody once told me this, and I think it depends, right? Because I don't want to say, you know, turn away money, but someone once told me, and, and this, I got myself in this situation once, which was, someone was like, okay, give them a price. I was pitching someone, aka, I didn't want to pitch them. <laughs> this person was not a good fit. Like one of my company values is fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, I mm-hmm. like to be fun and have fun on my calls and like with my people. I just feel like life's too short. Let's be goofy because that's just who I am. Yeah. And this person was like all business. He was cold, like his marketing was cold. And even on our calls, there were like red flags that I knew I didn't want. But somebody was like, well, you should just like give him a number that would make it worth it to you. And so I did and he accepted it, but we ended up ending our contract after two months because it was just such a bad fit. And it was so like, it was such a drain. It was like, he talked down to me a lot and like, it was just not good. And so I knew that that was not going to be a good fit. I knew that going into that. I, my gut, what my body was telling me, do not work with this person. But I did it because I thought, oh, if he can give me this much money, it will be worth it. It will not be worth it. I'm just going to tell you that, at least from my perspective. So that's another thing is some people will tell you like, oh, anything is worth something for an amount of money for a certain dollar amount. I don't agree. Me neither. Oh, my. Um, I've also had that situation before where I started to notice very early on the micromanagement and how my team felt as well. And my team is made up of wonderful humans. And so if they don't feel comfortable, then something's up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I agree. Like no dollar amount is worth this angst and anxiety that can be triggered from just someone who's just simply not a good fit, you know? So, you know, bravo to you for having the courage to walk away because, you know, you need that in order to free up space for someone who is ready for you. And I replaced him with someone amazing who's still with us. So (laughs) it's right around the corner, you know? And sometimes like when we commit to something, this is just my spiritual belief. And you can plug this into whatever spiritual belief you have if you're listening and you don't have the same belief. But for me, I think about the universe is what I would call God, whatever you want to call it. For me, when I say I'm not available for something, like at that time I had said I had just gotten rid of one of my most annoying clients (laughs) and I said, um, you know, an an annoying meaning just like frustrating, micromanaging, anxiety driven. And I said like to the universe, like I'm not available for that anymore. Mm -hmm. And then this other person comes along and I, I take it 
And sometimes the universe is testing us. Like, are you actually not available for this? Are you really ready for this upgrade? And if you take it, it's going to serve you that lesson even harder than you had it before. So just pay attention to like what's happening. And sometimes if things aren't working out, it's actually a gift from the universe to be like, hey, you know, time to actually reevaluate your values, time to actually reevaluate your ideal client or what you're offering or how you're showing up so that you can actually shed this and move on once and for all. Yeah. With you 100% on that. <sighs> okay. So Jess, we, we talked about some pretty deep stuff and we love depth here on this podcast. <laughs> and of course, I'd love to kind of, you know, this is a segue right now. Uh, I'd love to kind of like see, because this is like the end result, right? Like working with the people who are in alignment with the values and like whose voices we want to amplify or like in this case is amplifying our own voices to find the right people that we want to work with. So if we kind of like move it into like that initial attraction. So what I love what you said earlier is that it's not about the number of followers. That's something that both you and I like really on the same page about is the relationship with those followers. Right. So could you kind of like tell us like why Instagram right now? Because I know it's one of the, like the, I'm not sure it's the only, but it's definitely a main platform that you help your clients with. And this is these other courses that I've invested in, you know, that you've have led as well. So, you know, why Instagram compared to other platforms? Great question. And Instagram is definitely the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like that sounds lame. I was talking to my sales coach the other day and she was like, no, no, you need to just like lean into that. That's the truth. Like Instagram is cooler <laughs> than Facebook. I'm like, it's true. <laughs> so number one, Instagram's cool. <laughs> number two, number two, not to be like high schooly, but Instagram is like, it, it, the, the reason I say it's cool, it's fun. It's personal. It's, mm. it's a different experience. Like there's a reason why people are on Instagram so much and why people get great results from being on it so much and why people love following people so much. It's just a different experience than we've ever had with social media where you get photos, videos, and you get like, there's a culture that comes with Instagram. And so there's that piece of it, right? The other piece is people are so connected to Instagram and the people they meet on Instagram because it's such a personal platform. Mm -hmm. So I always say there's four types of leads, right? So the first type of lead is a cold lead. So if you're running ads, if somebody comes to your page and follows you, it's a cold lead. They're just getting to know you. Like, for example, you guys listening to this, if you came to my page, you're a cold lead. You mm -hmm. just are getting to know me, meaning you're not as warmed up to me. You don't know me as well yet. You don't really trust me as well yet. There's also then warm leads, right? So that's what like pipelines are for and email opt-ins. Like we keep sending them emails after they opt in and a certain pipeline and funnel. And it's because you're trying to warm someone up to you. So that's a warm lead. Then there's a hot lead, which is like, they're hot. They're ready to buy. They want to book a sales call. And then there's a piping hot lead. The fourth kind of lead is a piping, steaming, scorching hot lead that will give you a third degree burn. If you <laughs> spill it, like they are hot. They will close in your DMs. They're hitting you up being like, I want to sign up. What are you selling? I want to buy. Those are the mm. raving fans really. 
but they're still a type of lead. The amazing thing about Instagram is you can take a cold lead and turn it really quickly and easily into a hot or even a piping hot lead. Why, how? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> so let's say, you know, you follow me, like, you're, like Holly, for example, Holly, our friend who connected us, mm-hmm. is like, you gotta check out Jess's course, it's awesome. You already trust Holly, you come to my page, you can look around. If I'm active on Instagram and I have highlights set up for you and there's about me, you can get a, get a good read for me on Instagram very quickly and decide if you want to buy from me. Like it is so much faster. Whereas Facebook, you really have to like think and use mental, like burn calories basically <laughs> to look through the page and really figure out who is this person? Like, what are they doing? You might have to watch a couple of videos. Whereas on Instagram, like you can get a really good picture of someone's personality, what they sell, who they serve, what their results are by just quickly glancing through their stuff, which makes it just, it takes them to hot. The other thing you want to do is let's say you are getting new followers, message them. And I don't mean like a bot. If you're using a bot, get off the bot. Mm-hmm. Do not do that. Please Dear Lord, please do not do it. <laughs> dear universe, please, please get rid of all bots. <laughs> yeah, I should say, dear universe. My tarot teachers always say, oh my goddess. That's what they say. They're so I love cute. That. So my goddess, get off the bot. Okay. <laughs> Message these people. Like if someone's following you and they're new, look over their page. If they seem like maybe they'd be a good fit for you, send them a message. Hey, what's up? Like, Send them a voice note. Hey, I just looked at your page. Thanks for following. Um, start a conversation. And, and getting people on Instagram into your DMs is like another one of the easiest ways to take people from cold to super hot because it's like you're basically texting them. Mm-hmm. Like you're getting to know them. And text message marketing is like the other really hot thing right now because like in emails, even people can go to spam. People don't really check their emails as much. And it's still a powerful tool, but Instagram is one that like, if you're ignoring it, you definitely want to make sure you're in there because the more you're just even posting content regularly and the more you're showing up in your stories, the more you're being a human, people are going to get hot. They're going to get to know you. They're going to decide if they like you, if they love you. And it's going to make when you are selling, it's going to make it so much easier because they're going to come to you already knowing who you are. Like you kind of knew me already before we ever talked, Yeah, you know, and you know, I'm the same as what you see. So it's like the more you can just be you and on Instagram on a regular basis, it's just such a unique opportunity to use stories and show up and show your personality and teach and deliver value while also like creating a real community it's just such an opportunity. And I obviously am obsessed and I really <laughs> hope everybody gets on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I can speak for many of the quiet rebels here that we actually know all of this in theory, but practice is a completely different thing. So I have to ask you, like, what do you advise for someone who's like, they've kind of like done it here and I'm kind of speaking for myself as well so I'm kind of raising my hand here you know I've been on and off that bandwagon so many times and so what would you say to someone who's kind of like feels that guilt for stopping that consistency every now and then well I would ask what is in the way of 
Like, what is it that's getting in the way of you being consistent? Are you asking what's me personally? Ro- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> asking like, me. What's the roadblock? <laughs> Uh, it is definitely just setting aside the time. So I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's the, something that you hear a lot, right? Setting aside time. And like, because your course literally gives like prompts and by the way, guys, I'm not an affiliate. I'm just like a legit advocate (laughs) and like it, it helps so much just knowing what to say. But I think at the time of this recording, because the world is shifting so much on different matters, like first it was COVID, you know, for, you know, a good couple of months, especially in March and April. So there was definitely that sensitivity there, right? To like how we showed up and like not wanting to brag, you know, if things were going well in our businesses when we knew that so many had to shut down because like suddenly everything stopped. And then recently, um, again, at the time of recording, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, so it's kind of like knowing what to say under these different lenses of sensitivity to what's going on in the world. That's definitely been my major stopper very recently. So what would you say on that? Those are such legitimate points, first of all. And I think they're kind of twofold. So first I'll talk about the, like, what's, what do you do in a civil movement? What do you do, you know, in a pandemic and then the time thing is a whole other thing because the Mm. the time thing is simple to solve (laughs) you know it's just simple I mean but at least I go there too when we talked about that in the green room as well and I'm happy to go into that especially if you're somebody who you know you are have you have an agency or you know you're you are a copywriter like you're you're doing a lot of client fulfillment it can be really hard So, but to start, first of all, it's okay to not know what to say in times of struggle. You don't have to have all the answers. And I think there, we know our lane, right? So I know you and I both have been really sharing voices of black women who are crushing it, who actually, they know what to say. Yeah. So I share and uplift people I believe in who do this work all the time and they are so knowledgeable. And so that's, the best way I could do the thing I can do. I do also make posts though. I think for me, one of the most important things for me personally is to be um, always using my voice. It's like one of my big things is like helping. I like didn't have a voice for so long. Mm -hmm. So now I like really got to use my voice to uplift and to call forward and I think sometimes we can say things in, in a way that certain people can hear. So I'll get on my stories, you know, and talk about things. But I always try to do it where I'm not centering myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what well, a lot of people are saying now, like the white centering. Mm-hmm. And also that happens in COVID. Like if you're someone who often makes things, there's always that joke, like people who are always the one-uppers right? Mm-hmm. Or they make things about themselves a lot. And sometimes you, you might not know you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it does take a situation like the one we're in now for you to get called forward on it. And it's just feedback. So you got to be open to feedback. If you're going to be a business owner and be putting yourself out there, it's okay if you say the wrong thing. You know, mm-hmm. you just get to be open to that. I think it's more important to say something and of course, don't just say something uneducated. Like, don't, 
don't like make a post saying all lives matter and you don't know what the heck you're talking about, right? Mm. This happened in my newsfeed. Someone I know said that. And then all these people, including me, are like engaging with her being like, hello, like, <laughs> here's all the things, right? In a loving way. Hey, this is not appropriate. She mm. was at first really defensive. Like mm. you guys are bullying me, which nobody in the thread was bullying. Everybody in this group is like very heart-centered leaders, but also there's taking a stand too. And so she, what she should have done is probably not said anything yet because she was still researching and that's what the case turned out to be. Like, oh, well, I'm still learning and I just, this is how I felt. Versus, you know, we do have to make sure we're being responsible about what we're saying. So there's always the option to, and I'm not a diversity and inclusion expert, you know? So there's always the option to hire someone who is because we all love investing. I mean, if you're mm -hmm. listening, I'm assuming, I know I love taking my credit card out. Oh yeah, so, me too. <laughs> yeah, right. So I have invested in a few workshops and I'm going to keep investing in, in diversity and inclusion work and people who this is their shit. Like they know what, oh, am I allowed to swear on here? Oh yeah. Like I know now I need to <laughs> mark it as, well, what do I need to mark it with that C or an S? No, with an E. Yeah, I need to mark it with an E. Okay, note okay. to self. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's okay. Yeah, so basically I would just, I hire people who know their stuff, right? And I, in that case, that's what I would do is really um, take some workshops if you really don't know what to say. But also it's important for us as brands to have diversity and inclusion statements. Mm -hmm. So sometimes these things come up and maybe we weren't being proactive about them. And now we get to be. And so it's just about, you know, that's my opinion is like, I, you know, for me, I'm like, okay, make the statement, make sure it's visible. And then the thing is like you and I both know, cause we talked about this in the green room too, is it's not about being performative. Mm. It's about continued work. Mm. So if this is actually a value, this is something you're going to keep posting about for the long term, not just something that we're posting about right now when this is when we're recording this when this is like such a hot topic like i know for me it's just like a commitment period so it doesn't mean that you also can't post other things you know we, we want to make sure we're not being tone deaf and really thinking about what we're putting out there but also it's like it's not just gonna like i've seen certain people and they they posted a couple things or one thing and then they were just like act like it never happened and it's like, okay, you don't have to be posting things for it to be that you're doing something. Like I know some people who like one of my friends, two of my friends got in an argument and one of them was like, I've been donating. And the other one was like, well, why didn't you post it? And she's like, mm. I don't want to just like, it felt performative to her yeah. to post. So, you know, there's all these fine lines that we're all figuring out right now. And I don't even know if I have the answer, if this was a good answer at all, but I would say, you know, follow Trudy LeBaron. Like I've been really loving her stuff. Um, and there's definitely people that we can all make sure we're listening to and implementing this long-term because this is really like, this is a, a lifetime game. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually grateful that people are really looking at it and taking, and, and it's becoming like almost like you know the norm to mm -hmm. talk about this in business settings yeah like we're talking about on this podcast which i'm grateful for because never have i 
have been asked to talk about like anything minorly political mm-hmm. on podcasts. And I love, I think it's like, it's one of my passions. Mm-hmm. So I just feel grateful and, and really quick, not to segment too much. because I know I have a second part of the question to answer, but <laughs> I believe really strongly. And I always have that we do get to share our values on social media. So part of you attracting in that right person is you sharing your diversity and inclusion statement, is you being really upfront, Black Lives Matter. You know, you don't want people to come into your group and it's a surprise. So I'll give you an example. I have a client who's Christian and he has a mastermind and he talks about, and he, first of all, before he didn't talk about his faith very much. And I'm not Christian, by the way. I am spiritual and woohooey, like, and I love tarot and a lot of other things. And I encouraged him to actually vocal about his spirituality because he's not discriminatory about it or anything like that. He, he, it's just part of his life so heavily that when you join his mastermind group, he does refer to it a lot. Mm-hmm. And not in a preachy way, more of like a, this is in the context of what I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. When I look at what's working in my life, when I work at, look at what's working in my business, I have this solid root morning routine. Here's what it is, et cetera, et cetera. When I get my spirit right, this is what I do, right? And if you really do not like Christians, you don't want to be in his mastermind because he does talk about it. You don't have to be Christian to be in his mastermind. Like him and I are very different faiths and we understand and respect and love each other. But if he did not talk about that on his page and somebody joined his mastermind, mm. they would hate it. They would be so upset. Like if they really don't like being around Christians, they should know that up front. Like we shouldn't hide things about ourselves to put ourselves in this box of like, oh, I'm a social media person. So that means I can't say Black Lives Matter. And that means I can't talk about veganism or other things that are important to me. No, absolutely not. Of course, I'm not you. I'm not like claiming I'm an expert in any of these things, but I do share about them. I do speak about them. I do share what I'm reading, what I'm listening to, you know, mm-hmm. and that has attracted and detracted like polarized people yeah. and that's okay. And, and you want to be upfront as, as upfront as you can about it because mm-hmm. you don't want people getting into your groups and they truly are not a good fit. Mm. So if someone hates vegans, you definitely don't, don't come to me. Like (laughs) I am vegan. I don't talk about it all the time. Like I'm not like posting about it and using it as examples and everything. Like I'm not preachy by any means, but some people, they truly hate vegans. Mm. Like they do. And, and that's fine. I don't care. Like if that's somebody's feelings, they can feel that way but they shouldn't be in my programs because mm-hmm. I sometimes will talk about it or use examples of like plant-based coaches that come to me and stuff because they do come to me. They're mm-hmm. going to hate it. Yeah. And that's who I am. And I, I want everybody to realize that social media is actually not about Ferraris and, you know, like flexing. Although of course, celebrate yourself. I'm not saying that either, but it is about you being you, you sharing your struggles, you sharing your values, you sharing like you as a person, because that's what people are going to buy into. Of course, yeah. we could talk about 
screenshots and we could talk about strategies. That's important too. But you could have the most pristine, polished strategy on Instagram. And if you're not showing you as a personal brand who you are, it's never going to work the way it will if you're showing that part about yourself. People care and they're interested in who you are. Mm. Even if they don't, like people, like I love when people, like Holly, our friend is super Christian. I love when she shares about her faith. We're different faiths, but I feel like I see her. Like I feel like she's sharing herself. So Mm. I just feel like don't put yourself in a box and Mm. don't make yourself wrong for believing what you want to believe and putting it out there as like taking a stand because taking a stand is like also what this life is about. You know, I mean, for many of you guys listening, I'm sure you're similar to the two of us who we care about our values so much. Mm -hmm. So I don't subscribe to the idea that social media is like, you know, you can't talk about this stuff. Mm. You don't know the right way to talk about it yet. That's okay too. You can also seek seek help on that because there's so that's the other beautiful thing about social media. You can easily find someone to help you. (laughs) Yeah. Instagram has great SEO. Yeah. That's very true. And as <laughs> as we were speaking about all of this, I couldn't help but think um, this question came up um, as soon as you were talking about your friend who posted about the All Lives Matter on Instagram, or it's either your friend or someone you follow. And then I thought to myself, do you have, because um, all content is not equal. There are times that we post content A versus content X, right? So I'm sure there's like a cycle of different types of content that we post on Instagram. So ones are very personal, others are tips and tricks and FAQs. So in your opinion, like what, and and not even just your opinion, but from your expertise, like what do you recommend with that? Like, is there, are there certain content types that are best for certain people and vice versa? Or is it like, it's, it's just an overall mix and you just choose like which ratios you want to post them in. Great question. I think for me, the way I look at a social media plan is what I call it is a strategic content campaign. Mm -hmm. So I think because I come from the big ad agency world, I think about things as campaigns. So the, the other thing that people might call this is a content calendar, right? Mm -hmm. And I do think in my opinion, there is certain things that you do get to have in a content campaign. Mm-hmm. So in your content like campaigns, what you want to have is you want to make sure it's balanced. So if you just have like you're generally posting, like you don't have a launch coming up or things are just happening, then you can kind of organize that however you want. I would then maybe focus on things being like personal stories with a lot of, a lot of value ads in there. But when it comes to like, if you're in a launch, there are things you want to have. And we, I go over that a lot in one of, uh, in my program program, like what's your actual selling launch campaign? What does that look like? How many types of different posts do you need? How does it be laid out? But a general good rule of thumb is you want it to be balanced and you have to think about what do people really want or what do they need from you to buy? There's three reasons why people don't buy from you. Reason number one, they don't trust themselves. Reason number two, they don't trust you. And reason number three, they don't see the value. 
So in your campaign leading up to if you're selling a course or one-on-one -on -one or a program, you've got to be answering those three things in your content. Can they do it? Can you do it? And is it going to like work? Is it valuable? Those are the questions you want to answer. So you can answer those questions in a myriad, like many different ways. But what you really want to make sure you're doing is showing screenshots. So like when people like message you, oh, this is awesome, or this is the result I got, or you have people who love working with you, getting them to give you a video testimonial, sharing those testimonials is really important. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get the best engagement. But engagement doesn't always equal sales. I think people focus Ooh. so much on likes and mm -hmm. comments that they don't realize sometimes a post might get like six likes or it's like gets dramatically less likes than the rest of your content, but maybe it resulted in a sale. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind. And then of course you do want like some posts that are going to spike your engagement during that time. Like some, a couple like just fun personal posts, value driven posts. Like, what can you teach in three points? You know, what three steps can you teach? What myth can you bust? Like, really? And then also, you want to make sure you're handling client objections. Mm. So what are the things that people come to you saying? Like, for mm. me, I know it's like another question I didn't answer last time <laughs> that we could definitely circle back to. But time is a big thing that people come to me. And for most people, it's like they think they're not going to have time to implement. They think they're not going to have time to get this done, you know, how am I going to be the one leading this, right? Well, mm -hmm. I answer that by my program. You can bring a assistant into my program with you or a team member for $500 and they can go through the whole thing and there's bonus trainings for them and there's delegate che checklists, right? Delegating checklists and stuff. Mm. So that's a frequently asked question that handles an objection. Another objection people have is like money. How much is it? Can I afford it? Am I going to get an ROI? Handle that. Another objection, it's just different for everybody, but there are going to be those objections. And the more you can handle those in your testimonials, in what you're offering, in your videos, that's huge because you just want people to be enrolled in the fact that you can do it, they can do it, and, and that it's valuable, that they're going to get the value out of it because this is a competitive market now online. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people selling things that are not very good. And so people can get jaded really easily. Mm. But it doesn't mean that your stuff isn't great, that they shouldn't take you seriously. You, we've just got to be better at showing them upfront what we can do. So to answer your question, yes, there are certain things you've got to make sure you're doing, but it also depends on what phase you're in. Like, for example, if you're launching a podcast, there's a whole other podcast launch strategy that we teach. If you're launched for, for social, not for podcasts, but if you're going to launch a podcast, there's a social strategy you should use to help you get to the top. Depending on what you're launching, there are different things because it's different goals, but you really want to make sure you're focused on what's your intention and what's the end result you want and reverse engineer, like what is that going to take? So for example, if you want to get 50 people into a group and you have, you know, 2,500 followers on Instagram, you're going to need some time. And is that a realistic goal and how are you going to do it? So you want to give yourself enough time with your social strategy too. A big mistake that people make is they do what I call the booty call social media entrepreneur, <laughs> which is 
they don't show up until they're going to sell something. Oh no. <laughs> and then it's like, you're not there at all. Like you post, they found you, they followed you. You're not there. They can't see you. And then all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm selling this course or I have one-on-one -on -one spots available or I have, you know, I have copywriting spots available. It's the booty call. Like you're only on social media when you want something, you know? So you don't want to be like that. So even if you're not selling something, you get to be showing up on social media and providing value. And remember, you want to keep those leads hot because time mm. kills sales. So social media is one of the easiest ways you can keep people hot when you're not selling and keep them engaged with you so that if you do reach back out to them and ask them how they're doing with the courses or what's going on with them and you maybe have an offer for them, it's not so out of the blue. Like they're used to hearing from you. They, they appreciate you. They know you. They don't feel like, oh, this person's like not checked in with me at all. And all of a sudden they're selling something and now they're calling me at 3 a.m. because they want their drunk <laughs> and they want to come over, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh... Uh, I've never, like, I, I know what booty call is, but obviously I've never been one, nor have I ever. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I've been with the same guy since grade school, like, and we're getting married, so. Yeah, no, I just congratulations. Like that analogy. Oh, <laughs> I just like that analogy. Because it, yeah. it is, it's like that icky feeling of, like, yeah. you can just tell when someone just wants something from you, and mm. and they haven't showed up and given you the value up front. Yeah. So on that note, because with like managing time and managing what content to post, like I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how much is enough? Like what's it going to take in order to be like perceived as consistent on social? It's totally dependent on what works for you. So going back to the time question you had earlier too, I'll kind of tie that in here, mm -hmm. which is, okay, if you don't have time, if you're in a launch, like, or if you know you're going to be in a launch, you also want to make sure you're planned out. So for me with this, I'm, I'm running an online interview series that starts in a couple weeks. And I mean, if I'm working on the social media stuff now, because when that thing launches, if I leave everything till then, nothing's going to happen. And it's going to be a huge missed opportunity for me with social media. So I made the Facebook group. I've started writing the copy for the post. I'm creating my content campaign count, like content calendar, you know, and really thinking about what's the end result I want at the end. How can I use my social media to keep people engaged throughout the whole time? There's a lot of things that I can be doing. And if you want to make sure you have that plan in advance, right? Because a huge thing that kills consistency is time. But usually the reason that there's no time is because there's no strategy. It's not that you're lazy. It's not that you don't care about social media. It's not that you're just making a bunch of excuses. It's not those things. You guys are smart. You're entrepreneurs. You care about your social media. But if you knew how to have the strategy, you would do it. You just don't have it. And I think a lot of times people think, oh, yeah, I do. No, 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 Jess, I do. I do know. I know. The yeah, yeah, yeah syndrome. <laughs> it's the yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you get this a lot too, girl, because people are probably like, yeah, 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 I know how to get on podcasts. I'm it's like, like, oh, okay, but do you? <laughs> right. If you did, you'd be on them. So mm. you need to lean on people who they do have it. And the truth is also, even if you do quote unquote, know or you think you know, you got to a lot of times invest in someone and actually put your butt on the line to make it true. happen. Right. Yeah. So that's so true. But in terms of how often, 
you have to post. That's going to be unique to everybody. And it's unique to the season of life that you're in. In mm. September, when I'm supposed to be getting married, but we got to push our wedding back because it's COVID. Mm. And so when you're listening to this, I'll be supposed to be getting married in like a month. <laughs> and it's actually not happening for a year now. So I'm going to be going on vacation, having <laughs> myself a grand old time, like me and my fiance, when we were supposed to be getting married. When we're there, when we're on like vacation, I'm not posting every day, right? Mm. I'm probably going to be posting three to five times a week, probably. And I'll probably post an Instagram stories for fun. I probably won't do too much teaching. It'll probably just be more like vlog style, me having fun. Mm. That being said, like this summer, when I'm launching my program that's launching in August, what I'm going to be doing this summer is very different. I'm going to be posting every day me posting in my stories a lot. I'm going to be sharing and showing up and serving and inviting people in and making sure they know that this can help them and if this is for them or not. Because the truth is it's not for some people and that's okay too. But I'm really going to be showing up big and hardcore during that time. I'm not going to abandon it after that time. But during that time, I'll probably post once a day, right? I'll probably post... Maybe I'll take the weekends off if I want, but I normally don't, but you can do that. So I think it's just like, there's also the Gary V, you know, style of like post 17 million times every day on every platform. No. <laughs> yeah. And I get that. The thing is, he's not wrong. Like that's a, that's a very valid method to use. It's just not the method that I see entrepreneurs need to make sales from their social media. Mm. I think you don't need to do that. I don't do that right now. None of my top agency clients do it either. They post once a day. Sometimes we'll post twice a day on a rare occasion, like at events, we might post three or four times a day, but it's very rare that that's happening and they make great money off of their social media. So it's really like, what are your goals at the time? And then making sure you have the plan, I would try to aim for like three times a week at minimum during any time period. Um, and that would be like, oh, I'm on vacation. And it's like, okay, then just like post three times and the caption doesn't have to be long. But on a normal week, I would try to be posting like five, five days a week at least. And it's, it's also about quality and making sure it's balanced as well. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I was thinking to myself, okay, Megs, you, 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 Megs is what I call myself as well. My family calls me as well. <sighs> yes. And I think that's really important to take into account as well. It is about the season of life that you're in, the kind of audience you serve. And, you know, we can learn from our analytics, like when our audience is very active on our profiles. I mean, I know, for example, that it is mainly Wednesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays for some reason, um, either 3 p.m., 6 p.m., or 9 p.m. Like, I know that about my audience. And the same with my email list, like, they like receiving it in the evening. So, that's stuff we can actually figure out on the fly. But it's, you're right. It's just like, is our season of life how much we can commit to on a consistent basis? And I think the word consistency can really freak people out because many people equate consistency with, I don't think constancy is a word, but you know, I mean, it's yeah, without, totally. um, equate consistency with posting constantly. That's what I'm trying to say. Totally. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and you don't have to do that. I mean, I'm going to push people to post more than they're posting because there's just, that's my opinion, but <laughs> it, it's not like if you like, for example, one of my previous clients, like when she was, when she had a baby, 
she took off for like a while. And it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, you get to figure that out. And like, for me, my team and I are taking an entire week in January on flex, meaning like we have office hours in the morning, but besides that we're we're off. Mm -hmm. So, and during that time, I'm only going to be sharing about the interview series that I'm hosting during that time, because that's what's happening in my business. So you just have to really be aware and be realistic, but also like you do got to push yourself and make sure you have that plan. If you have the plan, if you lay it out for yourself, if you know you have the strategy and you know, like you were saying, why the course is so good for people is because it just takes the guesswork. And then all you got to do is go in there. You can create that for yourself. I can create that for you. Someone else can create that for you. Like whoever floats your boat, if you have a strategy, it's just so much easier. You know, it's like anything. Mm -hmm. It's like podcast guesting too. I can say, yeah, no, sure. Like, I'm going (laughs) to, no, I don't know. Like, you know, so it's just like, you've got to lean on the experts. Just like you want people to lean on you. It's just Mm -hmm. like my friend who does hair, right? One of my best friends, she does hair. I would never go to her. First of all, I would never be like, I could do it myself, which I know a lot of people do their own hair, but I'm not that person. Okay. I I know my strength. Yeah. No, thank you. I will ruin it. You will not see me for three months. It, <laughs> it needs to grow out. <laughs> the mistakes have been made. Exactly. But she, so one of the things that is so infuriating for her as a hairstylist is when people like come in and they try to tell her like, oh, I can do this myself with box, whatever, or mm. I can do, it's like, you can't. And when you go to her, you get a certain level of service you get a certain quality of product and you, you have certain expectations. You show up on time, you get it done. You sit in your chair, you get your head massaged, you leave, you look amazing. It's like, it's the same thing with social media. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, right now, because like our hairdressers, our local hairdressers, um, they're finally opening, but we have to book like weeks in advance, you know, obviously to make sure that the time slots are safe because, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that rely on our local hairdressers and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want that experience for someone to take care of it. Like I want to do like, ba- is it balayage or balayage, whatever you yeah. call it, you know, that like, it's not a dip dye, but that blend like cross between dip dye and highlights and all those things. See, obviously I don't know my stuff. I need, I need someone to tell me what I, if I actually want. <laughs> and yeah, oh, Jess, I want my hair done. <laughs> I say, yeah. My friend lives in California and I'm back in Chicago now. So I'm like, I know too far away. <laughs> so far. It's like, and it's hard. I haven't, I, I'm like, haven't, I probably should find someone locally, but I just like, I She's like to. one of my best friends. So I'm like, yeah. when can I come back out there? She balayages my hair. So I totally oh, know what you're saying. But no. I'll come into her and be like, I want this. And she'll be like, girl, you're not getting that. Like, <laughs> that's going to look crazy. Mm-hmm. So I just trust her, you know, and her expertise. And she's someone who sh- I trust. She posts a lot. She posts her results on social media all the time. Mm. So that helps bring in business that helps show what she's capable of, you know, it it sells the result a lot. Yeah. And that literally makes me think of the lady that I go to in London. Uh, She's like my eyelash person. (laughs) So she like, I, I have only ever had eyelash extensions once in my life, but she posts consistently and it never seems like braggadocious, which is wonderful, but she literally just shares her excitement of when she works with clients and 
unknowingly is creating you know a lot of like subconscious confidence in her abilities like time and time again whenever I see that and I think that's what's really important to know so I really like that you touched upon that earlier today that testimonial posts or any highlight post of your own work it may receive like the like minimal engagement because probably people just don't know what to say apart from oh well done right (laughs) but ultimately that is one major touch point for your credibility and it takes a couple of tries just like with any sales you need to hear from someone time and time again and you know with the results that they can bring in order for that trust to finally reach that tipping point where they actually will reach out to you for some more information. Totally. Yeah. You, you got to show up consistently and you can be posting something you can be posting for like years and years. And then randomly someone will, that's never engaged with any of your stuff will DM you and be like, I've been following you for six years. Like, I <laughs> and yeah. I now am ready to sign up because mm. another thing is there are lurkers. Like people yes. will go in and they'll like, block idle followers and I'm always like never do that because people lurk and lurkers are buyers actually Mm -hmm. sometimes your most raving fans and people that comment on all your stuff like don't buy and it's not that's not always right but that is a trend that I see Mm -hmm. across the board where I'll be like oh this person's so engaged and I'll reach out to them and they actually just like like to be really engaged but they don't actually want to buy they're liking the free content And a lot of times people who are ready to buy or who are going to be a buyer, they don't really comment on a bunch of your stuff Mm. until they're ready to buy. Yes. Until they're ready to be seen or until you say that one thing that's been, they needed to hear to get them over that cliff Mm -hmm. and like dive cliff dive into that waterfall with you of your service and help you in like, but you have to say that one thing. If you don't show up consistently, over time, they'll go to somebody else. Yeah. Because there's somebody else who's being consistent. And that's mm. something in sales too that my sales coach said to me. She was like, if you aren't the one getting on the phone with people and helping them cross walk over the line with you, somebody else is going to. And they yeah. might not be as good as you. Yeah. And that's the truth about social media too. If you look at other people and you're like, dang, this person's bigger than me. And they, they're not as good. First of all, you know, you're awesome and stop looking at other people's stuff. Like, you know, don't compare yourself. I'm sure they're awesome too, but you're awesome. You don't need to compare yourself to somebody else. The other thing is you've got to really look at, okay, so then why are they? It's probably just a matter of consistency sake. It's probably just a matter of they're showing up and they keep showing up and you can show up too. It's, that's like an easy thing to it sounds bad, but it's like, hey, actually, this is this is great. You have an easy fix here. You can get through this. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So my mind is just kind of like trying my best to like absorb everything that we shared today because we did actually go through quite a lot, and I just would love to kind of like hear like just like the summary key points. So like we talked a lot about you know value based systems and you know, just kind of attracting the right people and consistency and time overcoming objections. So I know that my quiet rebels listening, they would have absorbed all of that, but they're going to probably be wondering like, oh, but where do I start? So where would you suggest um, we start with this, Jess, especially for those of us who either haven't tried yet 
or we've fallen off the bandwagon a bit too many times and it's kind of embarrassing to admit how much. <laughs> so Create where should we start? Yeah, create an energetic minimum of posts that you want to make each week. Mm. So what is your minimum? Like this is, this is something that, you know, like Amanda Francis talks about with money and a lot of people talk about with money is like, what's your minimum that you're available for? What's mm. the minimum amount every month of money that you are available for? Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with social media. What is the minimum amount of posts that you are committed to creating? Like, and think about your long-term vision for your business and think about the type of clients you want to call forward. Because the truth is there are people sitting around waiting for you to step up and to put yourself out there consistently so that you can change their life in the, in the way that only you could. So my first step for you guys would be commit to what's your energetic minimum for posts. Like, what are you going to each week at minimum post three, four or five times a week for two weeks? And then put in your calendar, like make a calendar notification, time to up it or time to reevaluate and make sure you're just putting that time in your calendar to work on your social media because it's not something that you can just hire a VA and hand it off to them mm. or hire an agency and hand it off to them. It's one of those things that people often think like at a certain point, they'll, they'll be able to just never have to do and someone else will just do it all for them. And the truth is if you're a personal brand, like if you're an entrepreneur who's forward facing, like you are your business and your brand, you can't pass yourself off. Mm. Like you, you have to be the one leading the charge on this. And if you look at any big entrepreneur, they're really involved. They might not be answering their own DMs and stuff like that after a certain point. Of course you can scale. But this is something, content creation, copy, social media, this is something you do have to really step into if you want that big vision, that big dream that you want to have. So also, you know, get really committed to or really understand what's the cost. So like, what's the cost of you not doing it? Mm -hmm. And really connect with that. What's the cost of me waiting longer to, to take Instagram seriously? What's the cost of me not making this a habit, not turning this out in my business. The other thing I want you guys to remember is like, you can do all of this while being you. You don't have to be someone else. Like teaching entrepreneurs how to massively increase their brand awareness, their impact, their income through social media is what I do. But showing them they can do it while using their authentic voices is who I am. And as the one thing that just really stood out like a this is like a proper gem that is like you can't ever fully pass this off, especially because the choir rebels listening here, like they are personal brands, like 90% of them are personal brands. And I love that. And that's a very similar. It's not even similar. It's the same thing that I feel about podcast guesting. It's like, you can't like podcast guesting is an intimate conversation you're having with a host. What makes you think that it makes any sense whatsoever to pass off the entire thing as if you're not there just doesn't make sense so I love no. that you pointed that out and I actually like I also love pod like even I like don't resonate personally with podcasts where the host is like not the person like I don't resonate with the Tony Robbins podcast because mm. it's not Tony Robbins mm. and I understand that you can pass all of that off and there can be other hosts along with you mm -hmm. but I really love like the Brendan Burchard show. Like I really love, and it's like 15 minutes and it's him 
I love that. And I feel like even looking at him as a great example of someone who's created just like a massive empire financially and huge impact. Like he's one of those people to me that I just feel is like so authentic. He is, and and you listen to what he does. He works on content creation. Like, yes, he probably has a full in-house social media team that helps him execute that, but he is making videos for social media. He is on his phone doing stories for Instagram. So if Brendan Burchard is doing it and he's like the most time optimized human being on the planet, then, you know, it's something that we all get to keep working on. And then you get bigger and you pass a certain task off and you get bigger and you pass a certain task off and you scale, like you're not going to have to do everything by yourself. And even now I invite you to look at, can you get some help, but you can't pass off your voice, like your copy, your certain things you really don't want to pass off until you're you have so much content and such a great strong brand guide that in brand identity and brand voice, someone can actually take your social media off your hands and nail it. Cause that's the other thing is mm-hmm. the last thing I'll say is people often come to me after having worked with like a social media VA or a social media manager. And they say like, Oh, they sucked. Oh, they didn't get me the result. And while I will say that might be true, they might not be very good. You do get what you pay for a lot of times with the hourly stuff. Like my company is all retainer. Like we have fees just they're Mm -hmm. like, this is our monthly retainer. But you also have to know that even if to work with, with our company, it's not like anybody can just come along and pay the money and then they're done with it. Like it's a partnership. There's a Mm -hmm. lot required of the entrepreneur to be able to work with us. So as you scale, as you grow, you can hire the best in the world, but if you are unwilling to, like I had somebody say to me recently, because my program, like you can have your VA or someone on your team come in and get training. Um, I had someone say, well, I'm just going to have them do it. And I'm like, that's not going to mm-hmm. work. Yeah. You need to be the one leading them. They cannot lead your social media. You have to be the one leading the voice. Mm, love that so much. Oh, so Jess, thank you so much for everything that you shared in this time with us together. And as well as the recap, I know you also have something special to at least help us get started. And like, I can again raise my hand, like how much this stuff does work. So could you share the special gift that you have for the Quiet Rebels today? Yeah. So I have the first seven days of the 30-day course that you've been talking about. Um, <laughs> available for you guys and I don't have the link name off the oh, top of my head. So no worries. My lovely, I'm gonna pop it into the show <laughs> note link. So <laughs> this Perfect. kind of just sprung up at last minute. So um guys I'm so organized. But anyway, <laughs> so after this recording, don't worry. Uh we'll pop in all of the links to um you know for this free gift. Where can we find you as well? I know you can recite that from the top of your head. <laughs> Definitely find me on Instagram. I do post a lot on Facebook too because you know people on Facebook need help getting over to Instagram. I run a lot of things on Facebook so I'm on there a lot too but Instagram is really the spot that I'd love to connect with you guys and my handle is Jess Jacobson. Um, J-A-C-O-B-S-E-N not O-N it's S-E-N. Yeah. Find me, come send me a message. I'd love to hear what really landed for you in this, or if you have any questions or 
any major takeaways. I just love, like, you'll see, I love to voice note. I voice note, <laughs> I was voice noting you Yeah, she sends voice notes. Yeah, she sent me a voice note recently. I was like, oh, it's a voice note from Jess. So she'll do that for you guys. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite. And I'd love to get me to too. know you guys. Me too. Absolutely. So pop those links for Facebook and for Instagram as well into the show notes. And a two final questions for you before I let you go, because I know you've been super generous with your time. So really appreciate that. So number one, what makes you a quiet rebel? I think even though I can also be a loud rebel, <laughs> my, my quiet rebelness is comes through in my values. Mm. I can be like, people don't realize when they see me because I look really young. You'll see on my Instagram when you see me. <laughs> I look really young. You do too. We both look really young. Yeah. Um, we should take a selfie for this. <laughs> I know, seriously. But I, I really am a powerhouse in many ways. And so I, I feel like a lot of people don't expect that from me, that I do like really have really strong passions and really stand firm in my values. Like I think people, sometimes they look at me and they think, oh, like this is going to be like a wishy-washy blonde girl who like doesn't know or understand things. And I definitely do. And I'm always committed to learning more. So I feel like I just do stand and I have those tough conversations with clients and things when I need to. Mm -hmm. I love to make a difference and I can't, you know, one of my driving motivators is like being able to write really big checks for organizations that really matter to me. And mm -hmm. so a quiet rebel way in the future that I'm going to be like really changing things is like writing big checks. And I think that's like a big way for me. It's like always something I've dreamed of being, being on like a donor list that like rich Aww. people are on. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You're using your powers for good. So why not? Why not? <laughs> Love that. All right. And final question for you today. So for the quiet rebel to listening, if you're a frequent listener, you know what's happening next. But just in case this is your first episode and you've chosen Jess as our special guest to listen to for the first time, then what happens when you hear this sound? It means it's time for a fact of the day. So for today, Jess is in our hot seat. And Jess, this is when I ask all of my guests this one question. And that is, what is a, a fun fact or a fun story or a weird fact about you even that we can't find online. So good. Well, I'm going to share a weird story because that's fun. And I like <laughs> okay. to just lay it out there. You know? All right. So when I was little, I thought I could talk to animals. Like I was like super convinced people make fun of me to this day from like my oh. first grade school. I was like a little kid being like, yep. I can talk to animals in like first and second grade. And I thought I could, like, I was like, yeah, I can definitely talk to them. And people made fun of me about it. And they were like, oh, just such a liar. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not a liar. Like, I know I can talk to them. And it, it's just because I have such a spiritual connection with them. And I do like get them. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I can see and understand them very easily through just like being with them. I have a really strong connection to them. I have, I have a really strong connection to humans too. Like I feel I can do the same thing with humans, like really connect with people and read what they're feeling. It's that like 
I wouldn't say I'm like an empath. I mean, maybe, I don't know what the right terminology is, but with animals specifically, I was like super convinced that I could talk to them and they would like hear me and they would talk back, which like obviously was probably not true, but I do (laughs) still have a really strong connection with them to this day. And I think that's really like what I was picking up on as a kid, being like intuitive, being like, oh, I I get them, you know, I see Mm -hmm. them. And um, so, yeah, but it came out in a weird way and probably was came out through weird movies that we watched or something as kids. Like maybe I watched like, you know, uh, what's that show where she can talk to animals? Uh, oh, the Thornberries. Did okay. you have that? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Wild Thornberries, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, me too, Eliza Thornberry. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> my fiance always laughs because like our cat, like picked us at the shelter mm-hmm. so he'll be like he found us <laughs> you know from that theme song <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so you're a living breathing Eliza Thornberry good to know that's you know <laughs> that's what I um believe <laughs> that's what I think who knows yeah. but yeah that's my weird fun fact has anyone shared anything like that before nope <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't want to be like, I could have said like, oh, I'm a black belt, but like, that's stupid. Are you, let me wait, tell you. Oh, wait, yeah. black belt in which martial art again? Taekwondo. Ah, cool. Can we see some videos or something? That would be pretty cool. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not good anymore. Like, I probably have to start over. Like, I definitely would, maybe, or maybe in the middle I could start. I am not. This was like a while ago, but... <laughs> Um, that is cool too. We got a two in one, my friends. Okay, so <laughs> we found out that Jess is, you know, secretly moonlighting as Eliza Thornberry, like in the flesh. <laughs> and she's also a black belt. We, we have had a couple of martial artists on the show, myself included. So it's, it's pretty cool, actually. Like, as you can tell, I get super excited when I hear that about someone. I love it. I don't remember anything though. So sometimes I don't like claiming that one because I'm like, uh. okay, well, if, if it helps, um, I think the speaking to animal story was pretty awesome anyway. Great. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, Jess, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And so my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.